You're listening to a podcast hosted on the Podcaster Matrix. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. The sound of the voice on the other end of a 911 call is almost always delivered frantically. The needs of the caller on the other end of a 911 call are ones that need to be met immediately. The services sent to a caller during a 911 call are always delivered efficiently. The stories, perspectives, and details created by these calls over more than 20 years are life lessons and legacies for everyone involved, including me. The records are archived for all time, like this podcast, digitally. I am a 911 dispatcher. My name is Lisa. This is Digitally Dispatched. March 2020, the coronavirus, COVID-19 hit, and it hit hard. The virus does not discriminate. It doesn't care what gender you are, your age, race, religion, or socioeconomic status. It attacks everyone across the board. People were told to stay home, work from home, stay away from friends, and family that didn't live inside your home. The world basically shut down. Small businesses suffered and some didn't make it. Larger businesses were able to stay afloat by having people work from their homes. However, we first responders and essential employees were not able to work from home. Our work needed to be done and we had to report to work every day. This is my story of how we handled the onset of the pandemic in dispatch. When COVID hit, I knew as a dispatcher that I was still going to have to go into work. Both of my roommates were told that they were going to be working from home for at least three months, which turned into six months to the end of the year and then indefinitely into 2021. My chief had set precautions for us in dispatch. Masks were mandatory. We had to wear masks from our vehicles into the building and into dispatch. And initially, he wanted us to wear masks while we were dispatching. We quickly explained to him that this is going to be difficult because it muffles on the air when we try to speak into the microphones. So he agreed that since we sit six feet apart in dispatch, that we didn't have to wear our masks as long as we stayed within our dispatch room. However, if we ventured outside of that room for any reason, masks had to be worn. And anyone coming into our dispatch center had to have their masks on as well. We also had to sanitize all of our stations at the beginning and at the end of our shifts. We had some procedural changes as well. The chief brought in from the CDC a list of questions that we now had to ask all of our callers if we had an officer responding to their residence. And those questions are, just in case you call the police department and they start asking you these questions, be prepared to answer them. Have you or anyone in your home been exposed to anyone who's been diagnosed with COVID? Have you or anyone in your home traveled within the last 14 days or been exposed to someone who has? Are you or anyone in your home showing symptoms of the coronavirus, meaning shortness of breath, fever, coughing, weakness, and or body aches? Are you or anyone in your home currently under voluntary or mandatory quarantine as a result of COVID-19? Now, if you can answer no to all those questions, we let the officers know, and my officers feel a little more comfortable going into the homes. However, 
they do socially distance, and they have to wear masks to every single call. My officers are no longer responding to medical calls unless requested by the fire and EMS dispatch team. Sometimes addresses have a history of of people being violent, so we need to go and clear the scene before the other first responders respond in. The only other medical calls we'll go to are ones that are life-threatening, like a heart attack, a choking victim, stroke, and profuse bleeding, because all of those require life-saving measures, and we can help by being on scene prior to EMS responding. Within the department, if we were exposed, we were sent out for testing and quarantine until the test results came back. If the test came back negative, then generally we're back to work after two days. If it comes back positive, we're out a total of 10 to 14 days. It all changes. And that's the unfortunate thing with the CDC and learning what this virus is capable of is the fact that initially they had to be out 10 days and then it had to be 14 days. And now, from what I understand, when you're diagnosed as positive, they ask you when your symptoms began. And if it was, say, three days prior, that's when your 14 days starts. So you're going to be out another 11 days. So everybody got that? Okay. It's been strongly suggested to us by our supervisors that we do our best to stay healthy, socially distance, make sure we're wearing our masks and wash our hands frequently because we're not able to work from home and we have to be at the department. Now that we've discussed how things have been on the inside of the dispatch center, let's talk about some actual calls that I've received that were COVID-related. You will never believe what some people have said and done. So let's take a little break. This will give you the opportunity to hear from some of my sponsors and see how they can help you. Stay with me so I can share all the details after the break. I am Lisa, and you are being digitally dispatched. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Do you like what you're hearing during the Digitally Dispatched podcast? Let's have a conversation about how you can help us grow. Visit my website at digitallydispatched.com and let's find a way to get your organization, business, or effort to benefit from my focused and engaged audience. Let me help you grow your digital footprint and foster educational content on the internet. Open a channel now at digitallydispatched.com. That's digitallydispatched.com. The one question each podcaster should be asking themselves is, why am I still editing my own podcast? Mike Wilkerson from the Two Guys Talking Podcast here. I've podcasted and edited for over a decade, and I know what an hour and a half podcast turns into when you get in front of the editing stack. Let me tell you, it's not an hour and a half. It's closer to probably double that time. Are you ready to hand off the time you're wasting editing your own podcast? 
Looking for a cost-effective solution that doesn't break the bank but gives you super experienced quality podcasting back to you in a short period of time? Be sure to check out The Editor Core. Make your podcast soar with The Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Hey, this is Lisa at Digitally Dispatched. I'm back from break, and I can't wait to tell you about some of the COVID-related calls that I've received. Before the break, I told you how the coronavirus hit us and affected us on our day-to-day operations. We've had to make many adjustments, but we all worked together to deal with the changing environment as best we could. The rules kept changing, but we did our best to roll with the punches. This is not so true for people that are out and about calling into my dispatch center. I have received some crazy calls. We had an episode not too long ago about the shooting that took place in one of the big box stores. It was called Shooter versus Active Shooter. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But believe it or not, that shooting stemmed from someone who was so upset over the coronavirus. The man responsible had come into the big box store and was upset because there wasn't enough checkers at the checkout stands. And he wasn't finding what he needed, and he decided to take it up with one of the employees who was just trying to get him calmed down. When the employee did that, the man decided to pull out a gun and fire it. The subway call. (laughs) This one was a very interesting call that I was fortunate enough to take. The woman that called in was at one of our local subways, and she wanted to get a sandwich for her and her child. This was early during the pandemic when everybody was supposed to be wearing their masks. And, well, let's be honest, not everyone does. My caller was at the store with her child, and they were sitting outside of the subway store, waiting for the people inside to exit that didn't have masks on because she didn't feel comfortable, being that she and her child both had their masks on. So while she was waiting, another woman and her child approached, also not wearing masks. And this woman apparently looked at my collar, looked inside, didn't see anybody in line, and went on in and ordered her food. When she came out, the caller had approached the woman and stated that she wasn't comfortable with the fact that they just went ahead and went in without even waiting their turn because they were waiting to go in because they had masks on. To which the other woman without the mask stated that she didn't care what the woman had thought, didn't care that she and her child were wearing masks and she would do what she wanted. At that point, the conversation apparently escalated with the woman with the mask on berated the woman not wearing a mask, stating that I hope you're fine killing your child because you're not wearing a mask, and then proceeded to move her mask and coughed on that woman's child. So my officers responded for an assault call for one woman coughing on another woman's child. How crazy was that, right? Working in my city, we have a lot of ordinances. And one of them is that people have to call in to get a permit in order to have a garage sale or a yard sale. Perfectly fine. A lot of cities do it. And we give them their permits. They just call in. We add them to a database. But with the coronavirus going on, A lot of people are not comfortable with other people having garage sales. And 
I sort of understand what they're saying because how do you socially distance when you've got all these people on top of each other trying to get the best bargain at a garage sale? I received a few phone calls in the early part of the summer when people are wanting to do their garage sales and was told that I needed to have officers respond to, insert the address, because they're having a garage sale. To which I would ask, what do you mean? What is there a disturbance? What's going on? My caller would explain to me, no, COVID's going on and these people are not socially distancing. Some of them aren't wearing masks and we need to send the officers to arrest them. Well, we're not going to arrest people for not wearing masks and not socially distancing. It's a request or a suggestion for people to wear masks and to socially distance to protect themselves and others when it comes to the coronavirus. But we're not going to send officers out to tell people how to behave, unless they become unruly, and then we can. Kind of going hand in hand with the garage sales and everything with people not socially distancing, they also had to shut down a lot of parks. Most parks, of course, stayed open so that you can go in and you can walk around the trails and whatnot that they have, but they closed down all of the playground equipment because kids are going to touch everything, then they're going to touch their faces, and they're going to get the corona. We all know that that's going to happen, right? Not letting children play on the playground equipment, it keeps them safer. Since the playground equipment was shut down and children weren't able to use them, we would receive calls from passersby or neighbors or people walking past the park, and they would want officers to respond because there were juveniles or teenagers, kids, congregating in the park. Kids are going to get together. The unfortunate thing is kids aren't always following the rules and they choose not to socially distance and they choose not to wear their masks. Some do, some don't. People just don't understand that we can't go and tell them how to behave. So what what I'm trying to explain to my listeners is that I understand the concern because people aren't following guidelines and, and are choosing to do what they want to do, but that's the country we live in. We have freedom of choice, and our officers aren't going to go and tell people that you have to wear a mask or you're going to be arrested. That's just not how our country works. The next call I want to discuss is one of my favorite ones because the way I looked at it is mommies need a break. And the call we received was from a man who was very upset that as he was walking his dog, he walked past the elementary school and noticed that there were five SUVs parked in a semicircle on the parking lot. And he said, this isn't right. There's not supposed to be anybody at the schools. The schools are shut down. There's COVID going on because we have to be educated every day that COVID's still going on. Thank you, callers. So I asked the caller can you tell what's going on with the SUVs? Are they doing anything? He said no, that they were just parked on a parking lot that was closed and nobody should be there. I understood. I sent my officers out to check the situation and see what was going on. And what the officer explained was we had some mommies who had children that were schooling from home and the mommies needed a break. So they got together on the parking lot of one of our elementary schools. They parked at least, if not more than, six feet apart, had their the backs of their vehicles pointing towards each other, but in a semicircle, where they took their fold-up camping chairs, sat at the back of their cars, and 
They were just talking, having a little bit of snacks, having some coffee. They just needed to get away from home for a little while, but they were being conscientious in the fact that they were sitting at least six feet apart. So they were socially distancing. The only problem with this was that the school didn't want anybody on their property. So we did ask them to move on, but we're very proud of them for practicing social distancing. I received another call from a man who was very concerned and he needed to talk to somebody about what he should do now that his adult daughter tested positive for COVID. I said, well, what do you mean? What do you do? And he says, I don't want her to come home. I don't want her in my house to infect the rest of my family, but I don't know what to do. And maybe an officer can tell me how to handle the situation. I wasn't real sure how to answer his question. And so I asked if he could hold for a moment while I got an officer on the phone with him. Fortunately, at the time we had an in-house officer and he was able to take the call. Later, he came back and told me, all we have to do is tell them to go to the website of the CDC, Center for Disease Control. And there's all kinds of suggestions that you can follow if a family member comes home positive and the rest of you are negative. But don't worry, because I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. This is a perfect time for me to ask you, what is your plan if you test positive and have to come home to your family members who are negative? Or one of your family members tests positive and they're coming home to you. Do you have a plan set up for how you're going to handle that situation? I'm guessing that most of you don't have a plan. But now's the time to think about what you're going to do. From the CDC's website, here are some guidelines when you have a family member who is infected with the coronavirus. If you're sick, stay home. Don't go out. Don't go to your favorite restaurants. Stay home unless you're going out for medical care. If possible, if you're the infected person or whoever the infected person is, and you have the ability to use a separate bathroom from the rest of the family, that would be great. Stay in a separate room like a extra bedroom, a den, the basement, where you can set up a pallet or something, just so you can distance yourself from the infected person. Make sure you wash your hands often, and you need to wash for 20 seconds using soap and water. If you don't have soap and water available, use alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Also, sick family members must wear a mask at all times in the home to protect themselves and others. It's recommended by the CDC that everybody in the house wears a mask, but we'll leave that up to you. Also, make sure that you clean and sanitize the sick room and sick bathroom often. And if you're concerned and you don't know what to do, you can call the CDC or check out their website, which is what we ended up doing for that caller. You can access the CDC website at cdc.gov. What I learned as a dispatcher. I've learned a lot when it comes to the coronavirus or COVID-19 because I've had to inform myself to better inform my callers. I've also learned that this virus became very polarized. There were people who didn't believe that it was real and that it was just the government's way of controlling people to the whole other end of the spectrum where people believed that this was the end times and everybody was going to die. I rest, as I do most things, right in the middle. The coronavirus is a very real thing, and while some cases are quite mild, others are very severe and can lead to death. I believe that 
we should all do our best to use the precautions set by the CDC by wearing our masks when we're out and about, by washing our hands frequently, and by social distancing. I think this is the only way that we're going to be able to move forward and be able to resume our normal lives. The Legacy I've been fortunate and have tested negative throughout 2020 and into the new year, and God willing, will stay COVID-free. I believe that it's because I do take the precautions seriously and I don't take stupid risks. I will be diligent in my actions and continue to try and educate others about the coronavirus. My legacy are the episodes like this one where I can share with you some of my experiences. I have also recorded a few special episodes about the coronavirus that you can check out where I'm joined by experts in their field, where we have roundtable discussions about the coronavirus, how it began, how we as a country have dealt with it, and how we adapted to life during the pandemic. We also deal with the increases in mental health calls, suicides, domestic violence, and where to go for help. All of those episodes will be linked inside the show notes for this episode as well. How has the coronavirus impacted you? Head over to my website at digitallydispatch.com, fill out the quick web form, and tell me what you think. Dispatcher Nuggets of Knowledge One of the biggest questions I have had in all of this is, if I'm sick, when should I go to the hospital? I'm a very strong-willed person, and I think I can take care of everything on my own. But I know a person who thought the same thing when she had the coronavirus and she stayed home thinking she would get through it on her own, but she died at home. No one even knew she was sick. So I asked the doctor we had on a podcast, and I also checked the CDC's website, and this is what I learned. If you're sick or you have a family member who is sick from the coronavirus, go to the ER if you experience difficulty breathing, chest pain or pressure, have new confusion, have the inability to wake up or stay awake, or if you have bluish lips or face. The doctor we spoke to said a good rule of thumb is to go to the ER if your everyday routine becomes interrupted. Take, for example, if you're in bed and you just are too exhausted to even get up and go to the bathroom, or that you're so out of breath walking from your bedroom to the bathroom, and that's not normal for you. Go to the ER. It's always better to be safe than sorry. The calls, stories, and legacies I share are dispatched digitally. The lessons learned by all, the callers, you, especially me, are a piece of my life's unfolding story that I'm proud to share and are preserved digitally. Your thoughts, ideas, and comments can be sent to me electronically at my website, digitallydispatched.com. I am a 911 dispatcher. My name is Lisa, and you have been digitally dispatched.